A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a multicolor heist. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Netflix original series Kaleidoscope, The Orange Episode. Each podcast, we're going to cover an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. We will avoid spoilers for the other episodes on each podcast until the final episode, which is white for all viewers. Check the show notes for our full watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled Orange. As Netflix has randomized the viewing order for each user, be sure to manually select each episode if you want to follow along with us. A reminder, you can send us your feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or leave us a voicemail at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Wow, that's new. And we'll get to those emails for our season wrap-up podcast which will now be combined with the white episode, which will air on Saturday, January 28th. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over on the Bald Move Discord server. Link in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated thread set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed, so you can join the conversation at any time without fear of spoilers. A quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and want to support us directly, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. For just $3 a month, you get ad-free and early access to all of our podcasts. Of course, you can always get our ad-supported podcasts on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice or using our new subscribe tool on thelorehounds.com. So, David, let's just talk quickly about how we've changed our schedule a little bit because things have developed since we recorded our last episode. New shit has come to light. It sure has. So, what are we covering now? We're going to cover... We are we 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 will already have been covering due to the magic of podcast recording The Last of Us season one on HBO. I think tomorrow the first episode comes out after this comes out on the public feed. Right. Yeah, I but don't know yes. where we are in the in the recording yes. versus sometime live. in the nebulous. Yes, we will be covering The Last of Us. If you have noticed that the feed name has changed, do not fear. We just want to show up in searches, so you will still get all of our fire hose feed on this feed. And you'll also get The Last of Us. So we're going to finish up Kaleidoscope. Uh, We're changing the schedule a little bit on that to be Tuesday and Saturday. That's just a day earlier for you. So nothing too drastic there. And then every Wednesday, we're going to have an episode of The Last of Us. We're going to do a full recap of that, too. Yeah, we're pretty excited for the show. It seems like it's going to be a big one. And we wanted to 
jump on there and um, see if we could expand our market a little bit. And I know, John, you are a, a big fan of the title. You played the video games. Uh, yeah. And I think you really, in, you, I, the sense that I get from you is that you really enjoy them. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I wow. mean, it's, it's so something. good. Yeah. It is, it is either the best or the second best story I've ever played. And the other one I would say is Bioshock. Wow. And I'm a complete novice to the to the property, so I'm the 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 knife here, and and you'll be our expert lore hound. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun. I I mean, yeah, I really enjoy uh, Pedro Pascal as an actor, and Bella Ramsey was great in Game of Thrones as uh, the Lady Mormont. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Craig Mazin, the guy who did Chernobyl, like so. There's a lot of good stuff here, so potentially this is going to be a big one for us. Yeah, another cool thing is that the director the creative director of the game is the other co-showrunner that's so great that's we great. are actually getting like a respectful adaptation it seems yeah, like that's very cool so all right so those are the changes we've got some more show notes at the end of this episode so um we'll have a little bit more details uh then but otherwise i guess we should get into our outline we sure should and uh we are talking about orange today david what did you think about this episode Well, you know, the first time I watched it, I was a bit lukewarm on it. And then when I watched it again to write the outline, I was less lukewarm. I think I warmed up a little bit more. I was less cold. Okay, I was a little bit more warm. I like the idea of the story of FBI agent um, Abbasi, Um, but I think they it was a bit rough around the edges. I liked that we get into some more information about uh, Ava. I, I was curious about her storyline, and this this episode definitely gives us some more of that. And then uh, the conflict between Ava and Abasi, and I think it, you know it's a it's a good middle episode. Like it's got to you know do some certain things and and keep moving the the ball forward. So it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't horrible. I guess is my summation. What about you? Yeah, yeah, similar thoughts. You know, the Nazan storyline, the FBI agent, it sucks me in for a while, and then she says something that makes me think the next line out of her mouth is going to be like, so how do you like them apples? Like, she gets a little <laughs> bit too, like, New York cool for me sometimes, and it kind of just takes me out of it. It ruins my immersion. Right. Um, but I think that's more the writing's fault than her acting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, it's it's enjoyable. It's a decent episode. Like you said, good middle, good exposition. I think that it does ramp up the tension if you're watching this before the heist, which you should be. Um, and yeah, I guess let's get into it. All right. So we start with a lukewarm cold open. I don't know. It's kind of weird because we get that opening <laughs> graphic and then we get a bunch of stuff and then we get the title graphic. So I don't know what to exactly call this open. It's something. It's something. Anyway, they start off with a great song, uh, Ahmad's Blues, 1967 by Marlena Shaw. Uh, I I felt that it was a really fitting uh, piece of music to talk about, you know, to to introduce us to the character of FBI agent Nizan Abbasi. Um, We hear a voiceover of her talking at a 12-step meeting, talking about her addiction to narcotics. Meanwhile, we watch a scene of her participating in a raid where she ultimately ends up subduing a suspect. We cut to the 12-step meeting where she talks about her hopes and dreams of being a parent. And then we jump... What do you want me to tell you, Doc? <laughs> you want to tell me that I was hit as a child? You know, like, wh- whatever. The, whatever Will says in Good Will Hunting, it's on the mind because Bald Move covered it this week. Uh-huh. But, like, just like this whole, like, what do you want me to tell you thing? It's, it's really, I just... 
Yeah, I yeah. think that that's what hits me. I think that that's what what strikes a nerve with the Nazan uh, storyline. Right. And, and um, you know, it, well, let's just cover this little beginning part here before, because we, we go a little bit further with it. Right. So they're establishing this whole opening is just to establish who Nazan is. And right. She's a tough FBI agent. She can kick ass. And, you know, she's human. Right. She's got hopes and fears. She has, her, you know, her downfall is this, you know, sort of narcotics thing, which we learn later more about in the yep. episode. Just just a slight side note, pet peeve. I hate cop shows, you know, or anything that has to do with police where the the officer in question doesn't call for backup when they discover something funky or like the moment they get into it with a suspect they don't take a second to call on the radio or shout for help. It really annoys the crap out of me because I, I just don't think as a police officer, you'd ever really do it. Like in real life, you'd ever really do that. Like you sure. back out a little bit, call for backup. And then, you know, yeah. Anyway, it's a pet peeve. It's a pet peeve. In defense of the writers, I think that they did establish that she's gone rogue and that's why she's on her own. Oh, like if okay. she calls right. people, she's in trouble. Okay. So you've, you've, You've you've convinced me of that that element there. Of this I've excused story. No. this. Yes, you have, and, and and accurately. I think that's ac- I think that's really accurate, actually. Yeah, I think I think they did a good job setting that up, and they did a good job setting up this whole like narcotics background where mm-hmm. like she can't screw up because right. she already has had probation. She's already been through the whole rigmarole. She can't just be sloppy here, right? She and she's got to be. Yeah, she's got to work harder. And so when she's right. fighting with the suspect in this scene, it's, there's really a lot more at stake. That's a really good uh, insight. There's a lot more at stake for her because if she doesn't prevail in this scenario, then she's even more suspect and more sort of uh, on the... I mean, not, well, not that they would think of her suspect, but she, the gain that she gets by being a hero cop is huge benefit to her, to cleaning up her reputation. Right. She yeah. has to excel at her job to yes. be decent at her job at this point. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. All right, so we cut to a scene of her at the FBI offices where she gets a round of applause for being a badass. And then her sort of um, partner, Agent Sam Toby, lets her know that they got a print for Ava off of a shell casing from the Diamond Way heist. Abasi then confronts her boss about Ava. So here we get some definite uh, information that, that uh, Ava and Abasi have history. Yeah. And if we're just taking this episode at face value, we don't know much about this at this point. Right. Exactly. This is a, that's sort of the big opening clue for, for this set piece. Yeah. Although I'll say that I think that this is the episode where we learn the most of it. I don't yeah, think that absolutely. you really get much of a picture in anything else anyway. And again, going back to the construction of the show, we've touched on this in other episodes, they keep it really simple. And I think that's really important for trying to do, um, a cl- you know, trying to be clever with a show like they are. I think if they, if the plot was any more complex, it would quickly lose us in the, sure. sort of the ins and the outs of it. And they do a good job of when they need to tell you something that is exposed, that, that is exposited. Is that the right word? Uh, yes. That is told in a different episode. <laughs> Right. They do create these good excuses mm-hmm. for somebody to tell a different character what happened. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think the show, um, besides its cleverness at all of, you know, the, the whole sort of setup of, of this watch in any order thing, I think that they did do a good job in 
not losing you. So literally, if you are just watching random order things, and there's been some um, questions about how random uh, Netflix was actually randomizing the things for people, it seemed like there were blocks of lineups that you got like an A block, a B block, a C block kind of thing. It wasn't truly random. Anyway, that all of the connective tissue between the episodes works, right? Like you, yeah. uh, you, I never got lost in, I think there was only one episode where I really would have been like, oh, this is a strange thing. It was the, was that Violet where it could have been really confusing? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's the one. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, like they're, they, they do a pretty good job at connecting all of these ele- story elements uh, across it. Right. All right, we cut to a scene of Ava and Leo as she prepares to take the jewels, the, the jewels from the Diamond Way heist, um, to go try to sell them with their fence. Leo and Ava flirt a little bit. Interesting how they develop their relationship here. I think that they hint at something that might be developed in other episodes. Yeah, and I think um, we see that they are intimately connected, and I think yeah. it's a good setup for later in the episode when some stuff goes down with Ava. Right. All right. After the title credits, Ava is confronted by Bob on the street, who inserts himself into the meeting with the fence. During the transaction, Bob acts like a complete tool, almost souring the negotiations. Ava agrees on a good price, and Bob messes with a Chekhov's porcelain figurine and then then steals the fence's watch. (laughs) Bob, man. Bob is just such an asshole. (laughs) Completely. Completely. They really worked hard to make him completely unlikable. Yeah. I don't think that, and I've watched the whole show now, I just don't think that there's a single redeeming quality for this guy. No. Right. At all. Like, anything that you could say positive about him is just, oh, well, he's just trying to get something for himself here. Right. Yeah, and and that's the other thing about this particular episode. We get a lot of Bobness in this episode. We get a lot of back, not backstory on Bob, but like him asserting himself uh, throughout the episode. And I think right. maybe when I first watched this episode, between some of the delivery, the acting of for with Abasi, which was a little bit rough on on the edges. The other thing I didn't really like about this episode was just Bob inserting himself all over the place. Yeah, they should have done a better job humanizing Bob a little bit, like giving us something to be like, oh, OK, I get it. Yeah, I don't think that we got that. They No, he's just he's just so odious. Yeah, yep. like you said, there's no redeeming qualities to him. And so it, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a, a bitter pill to swallow. Right. All right. On a video call, Agent Abasi makes plans with her son and then reviews old case files that potentially link Ava and Leo, a.k.a. or Roy, Ray, a.k.a. Leo. Yeah, she's putting that together, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're feeding us this. Good job, Agent Abasi. Yeah, they're definitely feeding us this thing here, you know, with uh, like... She's got the case file open, and there's all the information, and yeah. So next week on NCIS, it's completely <laughs> they really did <laughs> kind of carbon copy uh, 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 a lot of standard procedural uh, yep. um, police stuff, and then the whole thing with her with the on the video call with their son. I, I don't know, like sometimes writers' rooms just miss it when it comes to families and family dynamic yeah. stuff. It just felt very, um, it felt written. Right. It felt like a script. It didn't feel like a real interaction between a mother and her son. Agreed. And it's hard when you have kids acting like, how do you, 
how do you replicate the genuine interaction between a mother and child? Like, I, I don't tough. know if that's an easy thing to do. I think it's very difficult. Right. And not just for the writers, but for the actors. So, but hey, they're the I don't professionals. Know. I don't envy them. I don't <laughs> envy them the task. Sure. All right. Over at the workshop, Leo tells RJ that he wants to make a duplicate of an armored car to use in the heist. RJ has an idea of where to source it. Judy does some light welding and flirting with Stan before Bob and Ava return with the money from the Diamond Way heist. Leo hounds out cash. Bob questions why Ava gets more than the others. Why does Ava get more than the others? Because she's doing the work, man. <laughs> exactly. She's uh, getting you the passports. She's getting you the fake docs. She's getting you the guns. Real she's estate. Doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, real estate. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and this, I think, really just sets up Bob's avarice, right? He's just, yeah. he's always looking for the angle to get a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, he, he's filled with greed and he's filled with jealousy. I mean, yeah. it's it's that and then, you know, Judy and Stan together, that's got to light something under him and it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. What did you make of RJ and his uh, high school yearbook? RJ is just a ridiculous character. Like, I think he was a good comic relief. Mm-hmm. He could have been a better comic relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that was one of the better things in the show, I think, was having him in there. I, without spoiling it, because we have watched the whole thing now, I think having RJ, they're, they're definitely setting up RJ as the kid. And then I think that that has that that tonal quality for that character does some stuff later on when things, you know, come apart. Um, yeah. And so I, I can see kind of in the construction of RJ why they're really make him, making him a kind of a puppy dog. Um, yeah. Because that, that has impact later on, specifically in white. Right. All right. Ava meets with a real estate agent at the 505 building and has a brief interaction with Roger in the lobby. Ava tours an empty floor in the building and agrees to lease the space. What did you think of Ava's wig in this scene? <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, the whole buying the what? What, what did she say she did? Uh, it was like end endpoint end optimization. Yeah, end user optimization. I think it was. What a nonsensical term <laughs> that like That's absolutely so is somebody's job somewhere. Yes, right. I'm <laughs> sure that somebody has that title. I totally, totally, they do. Somebody. They out just there. sit in their office all day and they're like, I don't know what my job is. <laughs> what do <laughs> I, I do most, if they come I'm, to check on my? I have the most ridiculous title. <laughs> it right. Doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. Absurd. All right, so yeah, this is a big setup, obviously, for some stuff that's going to play out in future episodes, all part of the mystery that they're building. At home, Ava relaxes for a moment with who we assume is her mother, and then gets a call from the FBI. We jump to Ava being interviewed by Nizan's boss, Agent Gao, while Abasi watches surreptitiously. Agent Gao confirms that Ava was a refugee with, uh, who came to the United States as a refugee, and she has no living relatives. He insinuates that she's a lawyer of ill repute, and then informs her that they have found a print on a shell casing from the Diamond Way heist. Ava explains that she reported two of her handguns being stolen, and as Ava leaves, she catches a glimpse of Abasi. Yeah, you know, I will say Ava is one prepared person. Yes. She is ready for almost anything. Yeah. And with this whole thing with the with the guns, like mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought to do that. Well, then again, I don't plan heist. Right. But <laughs> if I did plan heist, I didn't I would not think to do that. Like report it stolen. 
to that the prince couldn't be traced to me. Yeah, I think with this scene, I was I really was like, oh god, like how are they? You know, they they they're confronting with her with like really specific evidence. And then I was like, and then when she talked, you know, she laid out the the stolen thing. I was like, oh, she was prepared. You know, like how did you? You know, she didn't know what they were going to hit her with, but she's like you say, she's so good that she, you know, whether that's a pre-prepared defense or she made that up on the spot, she had to make, hmm, that's interesting. Because if she reported it to the NYPD, to because they're, they're going to check that. So she had to have already, oh, I get it. I get it now. Probably before the heist, any of the yeah. guns that she used, right, either were clean, like not registered to her, or she used them, at registered, you know, registered them as stolen, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Before Diamond Way, they had to prep, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. And it just it points to Ava being a smooth operator. Yep. What do you make of um, Abasi and her... Like, she's a dog with a bone with, um, with Ava here. Oh, yeah. She's just furious yeah. that she's going free. I mean, Nizan wants to get close to right. Ava. And she mm-hmm. wants to be able to, like, push her buttons. Right, right. But I think that her bosses are right that, like... It's too personal for her, you know, mm, like it, right. it really is like this is this is exactly the stuff that we want police to like be mindful of mm-hmm. is if it's too personal and you might lose yourself in the emotion and not follow procedure, you should not be involved. Right. Right. At the workshop, Ava and Leo make precautionary plans as we learn that Ava and Nizan have a history at the FBI offices. Abasi and her boss have an argument with their superior. We learn that a complaint filed by Ava years ago against Abasi led to Abasi's suspension for, and particularly um, with her abuse of narcotics. Abasi mm-hmm. is ordered, directly ordered, to stay away from Ava. No chance of that happening. Yep. She's like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was an easy setup. And, we, and, and like you said uh, at the beginning, we see that uh, Abasi is not afraid to operate on her own when she sub- sub- when she subdues that suspect during the raid. So we've they do a good job of establishing the fact that she's willing to go rogue when she needs to. Absolutely, she is way more focused on like the principles of mm-hmm. justice, right? That man would say uh, than uh, she is on procedure and following orders, etc. Which is something that will get you in trouble if you're working in something like a police department or the <laughs> FBI, etc. Indeed. Okay, we see a quick scene of Ava and RJ kitting out the new office space at 505, and then we jump to a scene of Abasi at her 12-step meeting. She talks with a facilitator who gives her advice about trusting herself. Okay, so this is an example of good advice given at the wrong time. (laughs) Yeah, that's really, that's on point. This was just not what she needed to hear right now. No. Trust yourself. Trust your feelings. Go with you your guts. You know it to be true. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it really sets her off, right? Because at this point, she really then just launches forward into um, uh, pursuing Ava um, and uh, willing to, to uh, put a lot of things at risk and jeopardy. This is what we used to call back in college uh, the YOLO mode. Mm-hmm. You, know, you only live once and you, right. just, you just do it. You, you, no consequences, Nizam. So they're loading in some heavy gear to uh, 505 here, which is, this is like a big mystery element. Obviously, it'll pay off later, but uh, it's a real head scratcher at, at this stage of the game. Yeah. I had no idea what she was doing at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no idea at all. 
I, I mean, I guess in my head, I'm just like, she needs access to the building for some reason. Right. Yeah. And then they're rolling all this gear and RJ's talking all this stuff and it's like, huh, what's going on? Um, well, then we jump over to the workshop and we get a montage scene of RJ sleuthing out the mechanical systems of the 505 building, which allows the team to see the layout of the vault. Hmm. Getting that sweet prep in, getting that sweet map. Got to have a montage. Got to have a training montage. A lot of montages here. Yeah. Um, I thought that this, from a technical standpoint, it's a little bit silly, right? Like they, okay, fine. Like a little, you know, they want to do the high tech heist thing or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, the building is a grid, right? Like every floor is the same. It's like, you know, duh, fellas. Like it's not that (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this was definitely something you see in a Marvel movie when Tony Stark pulls out the latest gear. Right. It's like, I was like, all right, all All right. right. Move on. Nothing to see here. So back at home, Ava talks with her quote unquote mother about the possibility of leaving New York City. Ava's mom takes the dogs for a walk and has an unpleasant interaction with Bob on the street. Bob confronts Ava at her home about getting a larger cut. Abasi, watching from across the street, suddenly realizes that she's late for a custody hearing and Ava notices as Abasi speeds away. All right, I just want to put something out here. Yes, please. If we're looking at the scale of good to bad Australians, Uh you have Steve Irwin on one side. Okay. (laughs) And Bob on the other side. (laughs) And and everybody else is in between. That's that's the whole of Australia. Our our nice polar opposites here, a nice spectrum of behaviors. Right. Yeah. Steve Irwin is the Australian angel. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair and enough. And then Bob is the Australian devil. Every time, actually, that someone faces a moral quandary in Australia, Steve Irwin's on one shoulder and Bob's on the other. It's a known fact. Uh, maybe some of our Antipodean friends listening to this podcast can <laughs> write in and give us their takes on uh, whether we've got that correct or not. I will not air anything contradicting what I just said. Uh, but yeah, no, Abbasi with the custody hearing, that was rough. Yes. That was real rough. And and it just shows where her priorities are. I mean, she's yeah. obsessed with this stuff. She has like an unhealthy obsession with this. Exactly. Abbasi talks with Agent Toby about missing her custody appointment. They flirt, and he asks her to show him the evidence that connects Ava to Diamond Way and Leo and the crew. Abbasi shares about how her guilt from participating in the post-9-11 investigations, led to her drug use and addiction. She talks about her philosophy of bending versus breaking the rules. I think this goes back to what you were saying before, where she's focused on the big picture, mm-hmm. or whatever that you know big picture thing is, and the, the rules, if they get in the way of achieving that objective, uh, can be bent as far as needed. There is... You know, there is, I guess, a little bit of truth in bending the rules, but almost every time you go to bend the rules, you end up breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. And Abbasi definitely crosses that line like multiple times. Well, she was times she was ordered to stay away from Ava. And here she is uh, across the street in her car, like watching her and watching. Well, I was 10 feet away. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, all right. All right. But you know what they meant. You know what they mean. Follow the spirit, not the letter of the uh, command. And then that gets her in trouble with the, with the custody hearing stuff. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, her whole life's a mess because she can't let go of this Ava thing. Yeah. Well, I think that Nazan needs a break from the job, and we need a break from this podcast. So we'll be back right after this short ad. 
And we're back. David, bring us back into the world of Kaleidoscope. At the bar, Bob reads over the medical report about his hand. Stan and Judy come in, and Bob gets jealous at their camaraderie. Bob pops Stan in the face. On the street, Judy tries to apologize to Stan, but Stan tells her that she needs to deal with whatever it is that's keeping her with Bob. Bob comes out to apologize to Judy and gives her a diamond Chekhov's bracelet and shares the news about his hand. They bang in Bob's Trans Am. Bob leaves a bloody handprint. All the while, Agent Toby is watching from a nearby parking lot. Boy, this Chekhov brand makes a lot of stuff, I gotta say. (laughs) There's a lot of hooks dropped in this episode. A lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love what Stan says to Judy. Yes. Not like, that guy's an asshole, but like, what is it about you Mm. that wants to be with a guy like that? Right. Like, Judy is responsible for her own choices, too. And, like, she ended up with Bob for a reason because she was okay with that. Yeah. um, You know, it's, you know, Stan really puts the question to her. Like, she's got to confront what it is that is um, attracting her to Bob and keeping her in that relationship. And that's a a big question. I I think all of us are asking that question. Right. And it's a question of, like, how emotionally tied is she to him? How much is she comfortable with him? How much does she feel trapped to be with him? So it's it's a multi-layered thing. I don't know if it's entirely fair for Stan to put it all on her, but I think it was good to give her some level of agency there. Like, what is it that brings you to this guy and brings you back to him every night? So a couple of uh, key things here. Obviously, we get the news uh, about Bob's hand, um, and that's going to have an impact on the heist. And then uh, Agent Toby has made uh, a big chunk of the crew here. Um, and so they got hard intel on um, what's going down. Yeah, I mean, the FBI is on them. How is the FBI completely on them and they still are just like going through with this? <laughs> well, because they're doing this rogue, right? They're doing this on the side. They're not supposed to. Uh, that's be true, this. I guess. Yeah, that's true. All right. Agent Toby reports back to Abasi with details on the crew. Abasi connects Stan to Ray, a.k.a. Leo. Agent Toby shares his feelings for Abasi. This was all like a little bit unnecessary for me. Tell me what you want from me. <laughs> when was that going to play? In this? Yeah, right. I mean, it's uh, that was a little too uh, soap opera for me. Yeah, it was. But anyway, um, you know, Abasi's able to connect the dots here. And, and uh, like at this point, I think in a rule bending scenario, okay, you ordered me not to go near her. But hey, boss, here's the crew. We saw all these people together. This guy's a safe cracker. This person's this, that person's that, right? You've got it all on a silver platter there. You could just take the dossier now, put it on their desk, and uh, I think you would get some kudos, and then you'd be able to get the, your, t- to see your bad guys get taken down instead of trying to you know, go this rogue element thing. I, I, yeah, again, bad decision-making, bad decision-making. Yeah, I mean... That's the problem when you go off on on your own road yeah. is that like you never know where that line is though. You never know when you can come home. That's right. Back at the workshop, uh, we get the news that they have a replica of the safe, but it requires that the both dials be spun simultaneously, which we now know is bad news for Bob. Poor Bob. Not really. He's kind of an asshole. But yeah. um, you know, I mean, well, it, it does suck to lose your hand. I mean, it does. Uh, especially. Um, I guess he still has it, but it's like not going to be the same ever. Yeah, and nerve like he says, it's like, that's what he does. You know, right. like that's who he's been, which 
we can talk about like how good of an idea it is to divine yourself by how good you are at a crime. Mm. But yeah, that's his whole personality. It um, interesting, I guess it, it gives you just gave me a little bit more insight into Bob's character and his motivation too. In that, um, the fact that he does have this hand injury that his future prospects for work are diminishing because of that. Right. All the more reason for him to try to, uh, you know, to to get more, right? You know, to, to get more as much as he can. Okay, but if you get a billion, <laughs> if you get a billion, do you really need more? Like, you right. never have to work ever again. Do you need a, a, a billion point five? Like, what is that point five right. really doing for you? Right. I guess yeah. if you're Jeff Bezos, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're one of those kinds of people, then yeah, it's it is all about how many you know uh, chips you have at the end of the of the night. But like, that's just yeah. And if you are in a position where you got this illicitly and you have to live off the grid and watch what you spend anyway and where you spend it, then why do you need more than a billion? I just I just don't understand. I don't know that you could spend a billion in a lifetime even because the billion is making more money as it's sitting there, right? Like if right. It's, if you managed it properly. It depends how they use it, though. And True. it depends, like, how much they have after they launder it and, like, where they can put it. It's Fair like, enough. I, d- I think that this is much trickier. Like, how do you launder $7 billion? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. With the other parts of the storyline, there's a, that whole thing of how do you how do you wash that much money? It's crazy. Right. All right. Toby reports to Abasi that he has info on Ava. Abasi tails Ava into an art gallery where her cover is blown. Ava flees, and Abasi pulls a gun on a decoy target, and Abasi is arrested by two NYPD cops who find drugs on her. <laughs> what did you make of this? Was this in an entire setup? I, I was unclear. Yes. Uh, okay. I, I think that that's what happened, is that uh, Ava had a couple people paid in there. One person put drugs on her. Uh, in her coat, and then uh-huh. another one was the decoy, and Ava escaped out the back. And that, that was genius. So the guy that bumps into Abasi as she's running around inside, was he the guy who planted the drugs? Probably. Okay, Probably. so it wasn't the cops Somebody who, who got it. close to her. I just assumed that the cops did it. No, no, I don't think so. I think this was all Ava. She's okay. like, how do I take this woman down? Because otherwise, what's the point of this, like... Well, I figured that she she had said it, she she had like those are cops or a couple of cops that owe her favors or something like that. Like it was like even to okay. that degree. So I don't think so. I okay. think that that was just like a crappy part of town and the cops were there and they were expecting okay. to find something on them. And then they see this woman pull out a gun and yeah. Right. Right. I mean, they, if you pull out a gun, the cops can search you like completely. Like, sure, like of course. They, yeah. She has no recourse there. Right. I did find it. What confused me was when. Abasi's running through the art gallery, and then that camera thing takes her picture, and then we cut to a scene of, you know, and then and then her photo gets sort of reproduced throughout the art gallery installation, and then Abasi, we see, uh, not Abasi, I'm sorry, we see Ava react like, oh my god, I've been like, I'm being followed, I gotta get out of here, right? That was a little bit of a turn for us as the audience to make us think that it wasn't a setup when this whole thing was right. a setup. So that confu- I think that's what confused me about this scene. Yeah. I think that the show just kind of did a couple cheap fake outs. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, and and that, that's happened a couple times in the season. I think it's just something the show does. I mean, otherwise, cool. I mean, I, I like that um, Ava's good enough to uh, fake out this FBI agent and to the point that she um, takes her out, right? Like she gets arrested by the police. Like that's going to have serious right. repercussions on her career. Like, what were you doing there? 
you and know, why custody. did you pull a gun? Like, that's the oh, big yeah. part. Exactly. And what do you think of that effect where she's on, like, the full screen? I think that was awesome. Oh, yeah. You like that? Yeah, it was cool. I thought it was very, like, I w- you know, I went to a college where there was a lot of, like, experimental art stuff. And I was uh-huh. like, yeah, all right. I've, I've seen nonsense like this. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Bushwick. It's very, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's very New York yeah. scene kind of stuff. Yep. All right. Leo and Ava talk by telephone and Ava offers to sacrifice herself to take the heat off the team. This is another thing that can, can confuse me a little bit, because if she's taken Ava out, then they're more safe than they're not. Nizan, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. If, if Ava has neutralized Nizan, right, then I guess Ava's still a potential target, but I think she would be more safe than she's not. I don't know. It was a little confusing to me. Well, who knows what Ava knows by then? Does she know that Nizan hasn't been fired or put right. into jail, that she's right. just like slap on the wrist? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because I guess she's know, gonna... she might think like if she still has the badge, then mm-hmm. she's going to be on me more than ever. Right. I guess she's taking the red card for the team to use a soccer metaphor. Like she did a nice slide tackle, take out the agent as best as she could, get to, you know, all right, you know, I'm off the field now. And then whatever happens, whether that player goes back to play or not, but I at least have uh, messed him up a little bit in the short run. Yeah. Abasi, emotionally shaken, has a call with her lawyer about how the arrest will affect her custody court case. Upset, she knocks her files to the floor, but then sees a photo that gives her an idea. A nefarious idea at one. Mm-hmm. Not great. I mean, that's a uh, that's a low blow. But also, I mean, Ava is already doing low blows back. So, right. <laughs> I guess I can't feel that badly for Ava. I do feel badly for Teresa. Yeah. All right. Ava's mother, quote unquote mother, out walking the dogs is arrested. Ava comes home and is concerned by Teresa's absence. She gets a call from Abasi and they meet. Abasi tells Ava that she has lost custody over her son and that Ava's nanny, Teresa, who we kind of thought was a mother, was arrested for being an undocumented immigrant. Abasi offers to help Ava with immigration if Ava flips and doubles for Abasi. Ava says she already quit the crew, but Abasi doesn't buy her excuse. Yeah, so this was the really dark part, is Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, you screwed up my family, so I'm going to screw up yours. Yes, tit for tat kind of thing. That's a huge thing. Like she said, like, how many decades has she been out of the country? Right. How is she going to reacclimate now? And we know that Teresa's tough, right? Like she's, She was right. giving Bob the what for. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, it's I mean, it's, it's incredibly hard to do that either way. And um, yeah. it, it was real bad. But the whole Ava leaving the crew... So I guess she did really leave the crew here, right? Yes. And she said, mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. offering to, to leave the team. Um, I think Leo didn't want her to go, but she does anyway, because she does think it will help at that point. Right. So that's an interesting bit. But then we know that there's no way that Ava's going to be a, um, a really good, you know, an, an honest mole in this regard. Like, you know, that she's going to, you know, she's got a she's got a mess with Abasi, right? Like she's got she's so smart. Advice. Yeah, she's, she's so smart. smart and she's just going to feed her enough information to keep her satisfied, right. but not enough for her to actually do something. Right. Keep her close. But yeah, uh, under under management, as they say. Yep. OK, it will. And oh, one other thing, too, is like, uh, again, Abasi sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this, like the fact that you're going to use 
your favors to halt an immigration proceeding to, you know, like it's just really, you know, this is nasty stuff. Nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah, it's gross. All right. We get a montage. Another montage. We get two montages in this episode. All right. We see a scene of uh, Nizan being absent from her 12-step meeting. And then we see Teresa home from detention. We then see Abasi making a pass at Toby in a glass-walled office. Come on, guys. Ava having a moral crisis. Bob failing at cracking the practice safe. And then Ava rejoining the crew. A lot of good setup for the rest of the heist prep Mm -hmm. and the heist itself. I think that that, it does add a little more tension, I think. This was a good setup to like add more stakes, to add more things that could go wrong. This episode did a lot of things right. It did a lot of things like less well. It's it's really characteristic of the season of like, yeah. Okay, this is decent. It wasn't yeah. the best thing I've ever seen, but it was decent. And and it just it's kind of sad in some ways because this could have been a really cool show, right? In a, in a lot of right. ways. And yeah, in this episode was packed. Packed with character motivations, packed with conflict, you know, you know, potential future conflict, a lot of, you know, history and backstory. Yeah, so yeah, lots going on here. But yeah, meh. You know, it was a good episode. It was okay. Well, that's all my thoughts for this. What do you say we get into some housekeeping? Sounds good. All right, first off, we have to say special thanks to our Lore Master patrons. This is the highest um, subscription tier that we have on our, our uh, Patreon. And we've got Samartian, Mark H., and Michael G. Much gratitude to all of our patrons for supporting us. It means a lot to us personally, and it's really a big help practically. John and I put a lot of time and effort into creating something that we're proud of, and every dollar that we earn on Patreon really just helps us in that effort. So to um, Samartian, Mark H., and Michael G., thank you so much. To all our patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, definitely. So we've got three episodes of Kaleidoscope left. We've got pink, red, and white. I know, we're going through these very quickly. (laughs) Um, So we mentioned at the top of the episode, we're combining the season wrap with the white episode because we, you know, we realized that Everybody's getting that at the end. There's not as much to say about this show as we'd like. Uh, And now that we've added The Last of Us, we're just going to wrap everything up on the white episode. So it'll probably be a little longer, um, but we will do any feedback that we get for then. Again, make sure you go to thelorehounds.com slash contact, uh, which is in the description too. Leave us a voicemail. Yeah. Yeah, leave us a voicemail. And there's also a contact form, so you don't have to remember our email. We tried to make it nice and easy for you. Yeah, as we mentioned, we're going to be starting to cover The Last of Us. Uh, Episodes come out on Sundays. We'll be recording on Mondays with our episodes coming out on Wednesdays. Uh, If you have any feedback for the show, you can email us to T-L-O-U, The Last of Us, at thelorehounds.com, or just go to lorehounds.com and use the contact form there on on the contact page. Um, but we're super excited for this title, as we talked about before. Um, also, be sure to check out Bald Move because Jim and Aaron are going to be covering this in full as well. So if you're a Bald Move community member, like you're getting double the coverage on this. So hopefully pretty awesome. We're back in our Rings of Power mode, you know, when, when we were all doing That's right. Rings exactly. of Power. We, have, we were having fun. If you liked Rings of Power, you got all the content you wanted. If you like Last of Us, you get the same. That's right. Speaking of Lord of the Rings... We've got our next episode of Silmarillion Stories, which is going to be out on Monday the 30th. John, what are we going to be talking about on that episode? Okay, I have to own up to my mistake here, which is that I forgot Uh to say Uh that we're going to be covering two chapters because they're both short. Okay. I just put 
um, of the beginning of days uh-huh. as the next reading, but we're actually going to be doing that of the beginning of days and of Ale and Yavanna, which are both very short chapters. They're not much. And if somebody misses it before the next recording, well, then we'll split it up so that, you know, we'll, we'll split it up within the episode so that somebody doesn't right, get yeah. spoiled. Okay, cool. Yep, and then keep looking for Silmarillion stories to usually drop towards the end of the month, and we've got our whole year programmed out for this stuff. And that's not all. We got it. We're we're getting a little busy here. The year's starting to pick up a little bit. It sure is. We're going to be talking. What's your favorite topic, John? Star Wars, but it's starting to be The Last of Us again. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. Yeah, you're switching out. You're telling me that you're switching out the Star Wars for The Last of Us. Well, I'm caught up on the Bad Bat, so I'm running out of Star Wars to watch. Fair enough. All right. So that um, Star Wars episode is going to drop February 3rd, and it's going to have our thoughts on the first five episodes of Bad Batch Season 2, along with some news about upcoming shows and our coverage plans and and just general Star Wars chit-chat. Got to go back a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we have a lot of plans this year. I mean, yeah. we... I, I mean, we were like, 2023 is going to be so slow. What are we going to cover? <laughs> you were saying And now that, this is like way busier. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but we are just having show after show on our feed. If you're a Lorehounds fan, you got a lot of content coming this year. So stay tuned. Yeah, we've got some exciting changes coming up. Um, I've built an incredible spreadsheet that's tracking all of our shows. It's uh, having a lot of fun. Modest we're, you are. Modest. And we've got, yeah, and we've got some <laughs> stuff going on with the uh, bald moves. So we'll have more news as things develop. But otherwise, thanks for sticking with us for coverage on Kaleidoscope. And uh, the next episode that we will release after this is the pink episode. The Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.